Well, if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5 is we're going to be reading our first passage this morning. Our theme, as we mentioned, is going for the gold. Of course, we're, it's 2012. We're in an Olympic year. Pretty soon the Summer Olympics are going to be getting started. And one thing that you will see with all the, all the Olympians, everybody that gets involved in those events, if you talk to any of them, they're all, they all have one thing in common, and that's they all want that gold medal. That's the best one. When they do all that training, all that preparation that goes into it, they're not thinking about getting a bronze medal or a silver medal, even though you and I know that that's quite an accomplishment. I mean, we'd think that they should be proud of that. But at the same time, that's not what they've been working for. They've been working to become a gold medalist. That's what the training's all about. I would be a little concerned if one of them Olympians, they said, well, you know, it's my ultimate goal to get the bronze medal or even the silver medal. I think that would make all of us ask the question, why aren't you going for the gold? That's the best one. Shouldn't that be what you want to get? And the truth is, that ought to be our attitude when it comes to really everything. We ought to want to do the very best that we can. We ought to want to be gold medal Christians if we can. That ought to be the goal. That ought to be the desire. And with everything that there is, we ought to have a desire to just be the best that we possibly can be. I'm not saying, you know, not everybody gets a gold medal in the Olympics. But it ought to be everybody who enters the Olympics, it ought to be their goal. We might not be ever be the best church in all the world. But it ought to be our goal to be the best church in all the world. That ought to be that ought to be what we're shooting for all the time. And when it comes to and in salvation, it's the same thing. When it comes to salvation, there there is no first or second or third place. There's there's not a gold, silver, or bronze. You either get gold or you get nothing. You either are saved or you're lost. And most of what the world is striving for today is only going to make them fall short. God wants you to go all the way. He wants you to get the real thing. And anything short of the real thing is not going to get you to heaven. When it comes to salvation, you need to go for the gold all the way. You need to go for the real, true, one I mean, there's only one salvation. And we're going to look at that today. And that's our folks are going to be on salvation. So what is the gold when it comes to salvation? There's a lot of different types of salvation that you can talk about. If you saved me from a car wreck, well, I mean, I had salvation from a car wreck. But I could get in another one later on. If you saved me from drowning, I just had salvation from drowning. But... It's possible I can end up drowning again. Uh, there's many religions. There's salvations that they talk about, but at the same time, uh, most of those salvations they're ones that you might need over and over and over again. They're not ones that are forever. Uh, some of the salvations that you talk about are very costly. You've got to make sure that you, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's in the religion. You've got to make sure that you're good enough. You've got to, I mean, you've got to go do a little bit of everything if you want any chance of keeping that salvation. But when it comes to gold salvation, all right, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the other types of salvation or the other things that people call salvation. We're going to talk about the real 
true, pure gold, salvation. And so what is gold when it comes to salvation? Well, one, it is a salvation that's free. It's a salvation that's free. Romans chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, "...but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God by the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abound unto many." Notice two times in that verse, gift is mentioned. It's going to be mentioned again. Verse 16, "...and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift." For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I don't know if you all notice the theme there, but you see, keep seeing gift in there. Two times it says free gift. And then in verse 20, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The only type of salvation that there is, the only that gold salvation we're talking about today is a salvation that is free. I'm here to tell you today, if you're, if you're not sure that you're saved and you're looking for salvation today, if you ever go to anyone and they try to tell you about all the things that you have to work and do and the cost that comes in your life in salvation, I'm here to tell you today you need to run from them. The real salvation is a salvation that is free. Salvation, it cannot be earned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That free gift of salvation, it's it. Anything else. Listen, there's good things you can do. I mean, you can be, you can try to be the best church member that ever lived. You can give more money to the church than anybody's ever given. I mean, you could be the nicest person that ever lived, but when it comes down to it, all have sinned. And all come short of the glory of God. Nobody can earn salvation. You can talk, you can talk all day long about all the good things you've done, and, that, and that's great. If you've done good things, that's good. I'm glad. I hope you keep doing good things. But, when it comes to salvation, your good works have nothing to do with it. Salvation, it's a free gift that cannot be earned. If it was about earning salvation, the Bible says we would all fall short. None of us are going to quite make it. Some might do a little better than other people, but you're still going to fall short. It really doesn't matter. We're still going to all end up in the same place. So it doesn't matter who is a better person. What matters is, is are you saved or are you lost? And you need to understand that salvation is free. It cannot be earned. Salvation cannot be boasted about. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How many in here have ever received a gift that you had to pay for? Okay. Now, if you have to pay for it, it's not a gift, is it? Have you ever heard that maybe an advertisement? You know, it's like you know, if you you know, 
sign up for our product or buy our product, we'll give you this free gift. Oh, well, it's not really that free. I had to spend $150 on something else so I can get that you know, little $5 free gift. Okay, It wasn't really free, but it sounds good. But with salvation, it's not, it's not a gimmick. It's not a play on words. Salvation for us, it's totally, totally free. And we can't brag about having it. Many times people will get upset and offended when they hear somebody say that they know they're on their way to heaven. They say, well, how can you, how can you know that? I mean, I mean, that just seems awful prideful that you're saying you're going to heaven. No, it's not that at all. It's, I'm not boasting. I can't boast about getting a free gift that's been offered to everybody. I can't boast about that. It's some, God offers it to anybody. God's impartial when it comes to those things. And anybody could receive that gift. It had nothing to do with how good I was. It had nothing to do with me being anything special. It just happened that we had a loving God. And He paid the price for my sins. And He paid the price for your sins too. And the only difference between me and anybody that's lost is I accepted that gift of salvation. But there is no room for boasting anywhere in there. I didn't deserve it in the first place. So salvation can't be earned. It can't be boasted. Salvation also cannot be forced. You have to accept that free gift. I can't make anybody in here take a gift. Have you ever offered somebody a gift and maybe they rejected it? Maybe they rejected it because out of cruelty. Maybe they rejected it just because you know they they didn't want to humble themselves and take that gift. You ever had somebody do that where they go and they try to offer you some money and you're like, oh no, I, no, I can't take that. You don't want to humble yourself. The way I always do it is I always say, no, I can't do it. They're like, no, are you sure? Take it. I'm like, okay. No, I, I refuse at least once, so I can I can do the humble part. But anyway, but uh, you know, but a lot of people, uh, or everybody, when it comes to a gift, it has to be accepted. And that gift of salvation, God didn't create robots. He's given all of us. He's given us a free will, but He wants you to accept that gift. He wants you to receive it. And He offers it to you, but it cannot be forced. If you could force salvation, uh, you know, then that I think that'd be easier. You could just point a gun at somebody and say, "You better pray right now, or I'm going to blow your head off and you're going to hell." And then they're saved. But that's not the way it works. God God didn't do, doesn't do that with us. God wants us to accept that free gift. Salvation that's free, it can't have conditions on. If I go and I give you a gift. And then I take it away later. Did I really? Was it ever really yours? Did I really give you a gift? Kids do that all the time. You know, brothers and sisters, they'll give their brother or sister a toy or something, and then later they get mad at them and they take that toy away. All right. Well, what gives you the authority to do that? I mean, if you gave it away, it's theirs. You can't do that. And if God is giving us that gift of salvation, well, then it's not really a gift if He can take it away. It wasn't really free if I have to do all these things to keep it. Now, I'm not standing here saying that you can go and get saved and then go out and shoot a bunch of people and still go to heaven. I believe if you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells you. And those things that you used to do, you're not going to do them anymore. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I worry about somebody when they say that they got saved, yet they want to continue to live a life in sin that God supposedly saved them out of. I question that. I wonder if they really accepted that free gift. But the truth is, salvation can't that's free cannot have conditions on it. 
And once salvation is, is received, it cannot be taken away. John 3.14 It's uh, want to Turn over there. Nicodemus, he came and talked to Jesus. And Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That that's that gift of eternal life. Did you know eternal something that's eternal? It never ends. It can't go away. If we can lose it, it wasn't very eternal, was it? And Jesus said, if we believe, we can have that gift of eternal life. And then He goes on and He in a way He repeats it, where He says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." It means the same thing. So right there we see that God, that gift of salvation, it cannot be taken away. Verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And that's where we see that there are many people that are wanting to say that they're saved, but they still love that evil and they still seem not, they don't want to have anything to do with that which is right. It's because they have not truly believed. They are not saved. They're still lost. And a person, when they truly get saved and they truly receive Christ, they're going to believe in Him. They're going to forsake that old way of life they're living. We're still going to mess up every now and then. We're not perfect, but we're going to do our best and we're going we're to want to live godly. We're going to want to live like Christ. And, but many people today, they don't want to have anything to do with it because that light it shines a light on the evil. And the Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why many of the many places that are out there today where a lot of the wickedness goes on, one thing they have in common is they're usually very dark places. They're in off by themselves in dark parts of town. People like that darkness. It helps them feel hidden because they know what they're doing is wrong and they don't, they don't like the physical light and they definitely don't like the spiritual light. That's why they don't want to come to church. They know that if the Word of God is proclaimed there, it's going to shine a light on their evil deeds and they say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I want to continue on in my sin. And the sad thing is, is the, the, the problem is they, just, they really don't believe. They've not accepted that gift of salvation. They've rejected it. When a person gets saved, they receive that gift. And that gift of salvation, it's free. And I don't know about you, but I like free. I'm a cheapskate. I get excited when things are free. I remember one time we were uh, traveling with the basketball and volleyball team from Lighthouse, and I happened to be driving the bus that night. I didn't usually drive the bus, and I remember we stopped and we went to Wendy's, and I was gonna I was gonna order from that value menu. I love those dollar menus and things. I'm very thankful for those. And I was getting ready to order a couple things from the dollar menu, and then somebody mentioned bus drivers get the food; they get their meals free. I was like, "Really? That's right." I wasn't used to that. I got all excited, and, I, and you know what I did? I ordered the most expensive thing on the menu. <laughs> I went and I looked. I looked. I, saw, I found the biggest price, and I said, "I want that." 
I was all excited about it. It was free. And you know what? Why wouldn't I do that? If something's free, wouldn't you want the best? Wouldn't you want, and I don't know about you, but I want that salvation that's free. Because not only is it the only one that's really salvation, but I'm glad I don't have a faith or a religion that says I've got to go blow myself up and kill other people that don't believe like me to go to heaven. Or to go to paradise. I'm glad I don't have a religion like that. I'm glad I don't have a religion that tells me there are a faith that I've got to, that if I'm not good enough, that I'm gonna, that I'm gonna fall short and I'm gonna lose my salvation. I'm gonna have to go to hell or I'm gonna have to spend, you know, a hundred years in purgatory and my kids are gonna have to pray me out of there. I'm glad I don't have a salvation like that. I'm glad I don't have to pay this big price for my sin. I'm glad I don't have, I don't, I'm glad I don't have to die. On a cross. Jesus did all that for us. And for anybody to say that you've got to do anything more than just accept that free gift, what they're truly saying is that what Jesus Christ did is not enough. But I believe what He did, it was enough. And the truth is, nothing is really free. Somebody has to pay for it. And while salvation is completely free to us, somebody did have to pay for that gift. I can't offer salvation to anybody here. You know why? Because I didn't pay for it. You got it would it would be wrong for me to show up, go to the Menezes house, and say, you know what? I'm going to give your house to somebody else in the church. Okay? I can't do that. I didn't pay for that house. It's not mine. I don't own it. Um, our church can't offer you salvation. Now we can tell you how to receive the gift, but we can't give you salvation. Our church has not paid. We didn't pay that price for it. The only one that can offer salvation is the one who paid for it. And that was Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, if you want to turn over there, Acts chapter 4, I want to read this passage to you. A great passage of Scripture. But when it comes to the gold salvation, the real salvation, it's a salvation that's free, and it's a salvation that is through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, you hear you're gonna hear things today that well, you know, there's all kinds of ways to heaven. Okay? No, there's only I'm sorry, there's only one way. There's only one who paid the price for our sins. There's only one who lived a perfect life, who never sinned. There's only one. There's only one who died on that old rugged cross and shed His blood. There's only one who rose from the dead on His own power. And it was that was Jesus Christ. He is it. Jesus Christ is the one who paid our debt. Galatians chapter 3.13 You want to turn over there and read a passage of Scripture to you. Galatians chapter 3. 13, we all owed a debt. Now, we all, we all know what debts are. That's something that we rack up. That's something that we build up. And it's something that we've got to pay back. And it's not always easy. And let me tell you, our sin debt, it was so big, there was, we didn't have a chance 
I mean, there was there's no way we could ever pay it back. But Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. You know, when Jesus died on that cross, there was a whole lot more going on than just the pain of the nails that went through His hands and His feet. There was more than just the pain of that crown of thorns they put on His head. There was more than just the pain from the cat of nine tails that they beat Him with. You know, There was more to it than just the shame of being hung there naked on that cross and to be spit on like He was. There was more to it than just that. He'd been beaten, he blindfolded and beaten in the face before that. There was a lot of pain that we cannot even imagine that went into that. But let me tell you, there was something else a whole lot more that was going on when He was on that cross. And I believe that this was the thing that Jesus feared the most. When Jesus, He prayed in that Garden of Gethsemane and He said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. I don't believe He was talking about the pain of the cross, but I believe it was that becoming a curse for us. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus, who did not know what it was like to sin, He became the murderer. He became the whoremonger. He became the pervert. He became all those things that we all are. The sinner. He became it for us. And the Bible says that when He did, that there was darkness over the face of the whole earth. And Jesus cried out, My God, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus became sin for us, it was so disgusting in the eyes of God that God could not even look at His own Son. And Jesus hung there on the cross all alone, paying for our sin. And I don't think there's any way we can even comprehend what that must have been like. I believe that that was worse than any pain that He dealt with. I believe that it was our sin that actually killed Jesus Christ, that made Him die. Think about it. Sin or Death came into the world by sin. Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were created to live forever. But they sinned. And that sin eventually resulted in their death. I personally believe that Jesus Christ wasn't even capable of dying, seeing that He hadn't sinned. I don't. I don't believe. I believe it was more than just the beatings that he took on the cross. I believe it was him becoming our sin is what finally took him out, and what finally killed him. Remember, Jesus went forty days without even eating. I don't know how he survived that, but Jesus, he died because he became our sin, and he paid our debt on that cross. That should have been us there. All of us, we belong in hell. That's where we deserve to go. But Jesus paid our debt for us. And what a waste it is to reject that gift and to go ahead and go to hell anyway. You all would feel terrible if there was somebody that you cared about maybe they had a large financial debt. And you went and you paid that debt for them and then instead they went ahead and just they went ahead and gave them, paid it again anyway. Why? What's the point? It's already been paid for. Why can't you accept the fact that I paid that debt for you? They say, no, I want to do it myself. And let me tell you, that's what we do. When we reject that gift of salvation, we end up having to pay that debt. And guess what? It takes us an eternity to pay that debt. An eternity. An eternity. It does not ever end. Jesus Christ, He is the One who paid our debt. Jesus Christ is the One that conquered the enemy. 1 Corinthians 15 57, I want to read just one verse 
to you there, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's God, it's Him that gives us victory over that enemy of sin. We've all sinned, but thank God we don't have to sin anymore. If you get saved, you can there I mean God can give you victory over those things. I'm not saying you're gonna live perfect and you're never gonna mess up, but the thing is we don't have to be controlled by sin anymore. We have liberty. That's why that's why I wanted to call this church Liberty Baptist Church. I don't believe liberty means that we're free to just go and do whatever garbage we want to do. I believe that true Christian liberty means that we don't have to sin anymore. We don't have to get involved in all the garbage that's out there. We don't have to be defeated by these things. God can give us victory over them. It's not easy. We still have that sin nature. We still have to struggle. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory and He does it through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, He's the one who paid our debt. He's the one who conquered the enemy. Jesus Christ is the only one who can really, who can truly offer salvation. There's others out there who might say, hey, we can give you salvation, you know, through the church, or we can give you salvation through our prayers, or uh, through other gods, they can give you salvation, but the truth is, they can't. Jesus Christ is the only one. Peter said it. In Acts 4, it says, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It has to be through Jesus Christ. People say, oh, I believe in God. Well, congratulations. My Bible says that the devils also believe and tremble. It's more than just believing in God. It's about having a faith in His Son. We cannot get to God except through Jesus Christ. If God couldn't look at His own Son when He became our sins, do you think God can look at us? No, the only way that God, uh, that we can get to God is through Jesus Christ. We have access by Him. We can be cleansed through Christ's blood. And that's why we're able to now approach the throne of grace boldly. And we can pray to God. We can have a relationship with Him. It's because of Jesus Christ. And He's the only one that can offer that salvation. Jesus Christ is the only one who's worthy. I'm going to close with this passage, but turn to Revelation chapter 5. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. For this year, this is, this is talking about something that's going to happen. This hasn't happened yet. This day is coming. If you're saved today, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. I, 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 cannot, I cannot wait for this day. Have you ever gone on a trip somewhere and before you went on that trip, maybe you went and you looked at a bunch of pictures or you saw some videos of that place ahead of time. And you were all, I mean, maybe you watched an advertisement video and it got you all excited. And then when you were finally there, it was so excited because you've been anticipating it for so long. You've been looking forward to it. You'd seen pictures of it, but you'd never actually been there. And boy, it was just, it was thrilling. I can think of one time in my life. Um, how many have ever know what this, uh, I've heard of the city Petra? It's uh, it's in the country Jordan. It's a city. You go through this narrow valley, and it opens up, and there's all these massive buildings that are carved out of rock. It's just it's an unbelievable place. If, if you can go online, look it up. Just type in uh, Petra. I think is all you can type in. It'll, it would probably come up. It's a beautiful place, and I had seen pictures of it before. And I remember when we went to Israel, we were going to cross over into Jordan, and we were going to go see that place. And I remember I was excited about it because. I had seen some pictures. I had a couple pictures in my Bible, but they were all black and white. But one thing in those pictures, I I didn't realize just how big that place was. And I remember I was excited about going there. 
But I remember when I actually got there, I was blown away. I was like, this is way better than I expected. And you know, that the same thing's going to happen when we get to heaven. There's a lot of things that the Bible tells us about that we're looking forward to. And we're excited. I'm excited enough about going there. But I guarantee you when we get there, it's going to be so much better than we thought. And here's one event that I, just, I love this passage. I'm looking forward to it. But it says, And I saw on the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the presence of the saints. Gonna stop there for a minute. So there's this book there and nobody is worthy to open it. And you notice it says, no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth. That covers everybody. That covers everybody. It says that there wasn't, there wasn't anybody. And John, he's looking and he's weeping and thinking, you know, nobody is, I can't believe there's nobody worthy. I imagine John was probably weeping too. Maybe he felt bad himself knowing that he himself wasn't even worthy. Notice nobody even volunteered and claimed to be worthy. Everybody they knew full well that they weren't worthy, but it says that there was that there was one. That line of the tribe of Judah. That root of David. That was talking about Jesus Christ. He saw a lamb as it had been slain. Talking about Jesus Christ. And it says everybody began to bow down and in verse nine. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. I don't know exactly how many that is. That's a lot. That's a lot. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I'm telling you, I love being in a church that's full of people that are just singing with a loud voice. I love it. I like being around good, loud, I mean, just good, loud singing. I enjoy it. I get excited. I'll get goosebumps. I'll get excited. I might might want to shout a little bit. I might want to sing a little bit louder. It gets it gets me excited. But can you imagine? Can you imagine being with millions of people singing with a loud voice? You're usually lucky if you can get you know half the people singing with a loud voice. I, I, I like loud singing. I don't even care if you're off key a little bit. I like hearing good loud singing that comes from the heart. It just it I, I like it. But imagine millions. Singing with a loud voice 
And remember, we're in our glorified bodies. So guess what? My voice isn't going to be cracking that day. I'm not going to be struggling with the high notes like I was in some of them today. I'm not going to have this corrupted mind like I have now where I'm messing up words in the songs like I did this afternoon. And we're all going to be singing with a loud voice saying, Worthy is the Lamb. And then verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. Notice who all of creation is worshiping on that day. It's Jesus Christ. He's it. He's the only one that's worthy. And let me tell you, don't ever let people make you feel bad when you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Don't let them. Don't let them convince you that you're that you're biased and you're bigoted towards other religions. I have not. That, listen, I have nothing against anybody in this world, but I'm here today to tell you that everybody in this world needs Jesus Christ. He is the only one that paid for our sins. He's the only one that can offer salvation. He's the only one that offers free salvation. And He's the only one that can make a way for us to go to heaven. He's the one that someday all creation is going to be worshiping. And I'm looking, and I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to that day. And that day is not today, but in the meantime, I think it's okay. I think it's okay for us to go ahead and just praise God as much as we can. It's okay to go ahead and sing praises to Him now with a loud voice and to and to worship Him and to do all that we can for Him. He's the one. He's the one that saved us. He's worthy of it. He's worth. He's worthy of all our praise we can give him. We can't praise him too much. We can't sacrifice too much for him. He's worthy of anything that we can give him. Why? He is the one that gave us salvation. Just like heaven is beyond anything that we can, anything great that we can imagine. I believe hell is beyond it. You think of the most horrible thought you can, and I believe it's worse than that. And Jesus Christ saved us from that. He offers that gift of salvation. He's worthy to be praised. If somebody saved you from a burning building, you would have no problem going out in public and saying great things about that person that saved your life. You'd have no problem doing that. You'd have no problem maybe going to a ceremony honoring that person for their heroic deed. You'd have no problem with that. They saved your life. Well, Jesus Christ saved our souls. How much more does He deserve our praise? There may be one here today. You've never received that gift of salvation. If that's you, well, we'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. So with that, let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.